This episode is sponsored by Logos Bible Software. Logos Bible Software is by far my favorite and most used Bible study tool. I use it for sermon prep, personal Bible study, and it's where I've chosen to buy my books and build my theological library. In Logos, your books aren't just books. They're integrated with a host of tools that not only enhance the value of those books, but empower your study of scripture. Listeners of this podcast can get a special discount on Logos by going to Logos, that is L-O-G-O-S, Logos.com, slash partner, slash Kirk Miller, and on top of that discount, they're even going to throw in a free five books for you. Be sure to use my special discount code Kirk8, that's Kirk8 at checkout, for any purchases, that'll ensure you get the best price. Or if you're new to Logos and you're unsure, follow that web address anyways, because there's a free version that you can get. That's right, free. Again, that's logos.com slash partner slash Kirk Miller. All right, now to the podcast. Hey everybody, this is Kirk here, and you are listening to another episode of The Church Theology Podcast, a podcast on the church for the church. As I said, my name is Kirk Miller, and I am here with Dan Allen. That's it. Hey, we're uh, recording now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get off your phone. <laughs> and so that's Dan. Uh, we are pastors at Crossway Community Church in Milwaukee. And we are continuing our series on Bible translations. Um, mm-hmm. What they are, um, what, what about them um, is important to understand as we, as we think about using them and knowing how to interact with them. Um, I realize we didn't really give a definition of Bible translations last time, so maybe yeah. I can just yeah. give a basic definition of that. Um, a specifically an English Bible translation you can you can define as an English um, English Bible translations are publications that seek to faithfully render the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek texts of the Bible into the English language. I'll read that again, and I want you to notice there is a split infinitive in my definition. <laughs> I was giving Dan a hard time about split infinitives the other day, and there's a split infinitive in my definition. Here's If a, you don't know what a split infinitive is, uh, just Google it. It's all right. I didn't know either. Okay. English Bible translations are publications that seek to faithfully render, there's your split infinitive, to faithfully render the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek texts of the Bible into the English language or you might say into any language yeah, like um, the receptor language but the receptor language yeah so that's a basic definition i think most of us have an idea of what that is but um last episode we talked about some of the goals that we have in thinking about these things thinking about translations mm-hmm. as well as some initial thoughts um introductory notes to make but today we want to talk about the different reason some of the different reasons for why we see differences in the translations mm-hmm. and behind that maybe why there's so many why there's so many translations. Um, Well, part of the reason there's so many is there's so many publishers who want to make translations, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess what I'm meaning, like, the reasons we'll give, um, actually, the reason why there's so many is part of the reason that we're going to give. Yeah. Reason why there are so many different types of translations we might say, too. Yeah. Yeah. So the first reason um, that we can put out has to do... Um, with a with different methodology. Um, so generally speaking, there are there are two there are two general methodologies that are out there. Um, the first is what we might call formal equivalence. And Dan, could you give us maybe a little bit of a description 
of what we mean by formal or what is meant by formal equivalence. Yeah. I mean, a formal would be typically, I mean, the, the general way to think about it is kind of more of a word for word. So you're, you're trying to, um, there's a word in the Greek text. I need a word for it in the English text. And I'm going to try to match that as best as, as I can. As best as I can. Because yes. it's it's impossible to do it exactly. Yes. Because if you're yes. going to get it exactly, it would still be in the original language. If it was literal, right. it would mm-hmm. be Hebrew. It would be Greek. Right. So you have to get it. You got to get it in English, which means you're going to lose something in translation. Yep. That's not exactly the same. Yeah. But formal equivalence. Mm-hmm. So break that phrase down. Equivalence is the idea that you want them to be the same. Mm-hmm. You want what's in the original to mm-hmm. come out the same in the receptor. The receptor mm-hmm. language is what you're translating it mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want them to be equivalent. Mm-hmm. Formal equivalent, though, is going to say we want to keep some of the formal properties mm-hmm. in in that equival equivalence. Um, so like you want to get the exact you want to get the you want to get the like kind of more of the word for word type of th- thing going on. Yeah. Um, if a word is conveys sort of a past tense idea, in the original, you want to make sure that in the in the receptor language, in mm-hmm. English, for example, you want to make sure it conveys sort of a past tense idea. Um, the, the plural versus singular. The grammar. You want to retain a, a good bit of the grammar and mm-hmm. the syntax. Like the very, in other words, the details <clears throat> that you find in the Greek and Hebrew, you want to get to be very exact as you bring it over into English mm-hmm. or whatever other trend, language you're using to translate yeah. into. Mm-hmm. Um, that can create a more rigid translation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a little bit less readable, sometimes a little bit less easily understood immediately. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, more accurate, more accurate in the sense of accurate to the details, mm-hmm. accurate to the exact details mm-hmm. of the original Greek and Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Would you add anything else to that? No, I think it's good. Yeah. So equivalence in terms of grammar, syntax, and vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Vocabulary is probably a better word to use than word for word because mm-hmm. oftentimes it doesn't really work that way, like yeah, a word to word. But sure. the idea of the, the actual General vocab. Way to think about it. The actual vocab, the actual meaning of the words. Mm-hmm. The other, um, the other methodology. So this would be a philosophy, sort of the approach to a translation. Mm-hmm. The other philosophy or methodology would be what's called a dynamic equivalence mm-hmm. or a functional equivalence. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, there's an idea of equivalence. They want to get, they want, they want to have an equivalence between the original mm-hmm. Greek and Hebrew and what is getting translated. So they mm-hmm. want to, they want to convey that accurately. But on this level, rather than focusing on the formal details and properties, they want to get you the functional meaning, mm-hmm. the dynamic. They want to be a little bit more dynamic in how they translate mm-hmm. it, um, flexing some of the small details. For the sake of prioritizing, capturing the sense. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be focusing more on giving you the sense that's in the original mm-hmm. as best as they understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and to do that, they're going to be a little bit more um, okay with compromising some of the properties. Whereas in formal equivalent, they might compromise a little bit more of the making the sense plain mm-hmm. in order to preserve the details functional or dynamic equivalent is going to do the reverse. Mm-hmm. They're going to be okay a little bit more compromising the details in order to prioritize making sure the sense and the general meaning thought by thought mm-hmm. versus word by word yeah. is conveyed. Yeah. And I think if if you don't if kind of more of the technical verbiage feels intimidating. I, yeah. I do think the simple way is the word for word versus a thought for thought. Exactly. And it's a continuum there. 
but it, the thought for thought is more going for the sense of the meaning behind the, the whole thought and not so much con- concerned with the actual details of every word mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. So it, it is worth recognizing that there's a, a continuum um, in in from like a these. spectrum. Yeah. There's a range of like from one end that are really on the, it's not yeah. like it's too tight knit categories yeah, airtight. At all. You can kind of be like somewhat more leaning to the formal, yeah. somewhat more leaning to the equivalent. And there's yeah. a, a scaling, yeah. a scale that you can kind of land yeah. on. And it's worth noting that all translations end up going in both categories. So as much as all the translations might say like, no, this is our way. They might have a primary. They might way. say we're formal. Yeah. But there's a sense in which they're also a little bit dynamic. Yeah, they totally do. You have but to. You have to. You can't be, That's if right. you are purely um, if you are to be totally dynamic and functional to capture the meaning, you obviously still have to preserve some of the mm-hmm. details. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it doesn't mean the same thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And to be totally formal, if you're fully formal and capturing all the details, yeah. it would stay Hebrew and Greek. Yeah. To can, to bring it over is in a sense to get in a is to capture the sense by putting it in a new language. Yeah. yeah. Which we'll cover in when we go over some of the myths a little bit. Um, so one way to think about it too is is to think, okay. So a Bible translator or a group of translators sit down with the Greek text or the Hebrew text or Aramaic text, whatever they're using and what chapter they're in. So they got the John chapter three, the Greek text. They have a question that they're asking. Okay, we want to, we want to take this original language and stay as true to the original language as we possibly can in order that this re- the receptors can understand the text. Now, they have a, a, a major two directions they can go. They can either say, we're only going to do as much translation as possible to keep the same sense. We, we really want to make sure we're staying true to the text. Um, the we, details. The of details. Yeah. But we don't want to do a whole lot of interpretation. Yeah. Like, we want to let that up to the receptor themselves. They need to figure that out. We just want to get the, the words out. And that's why it'll be a little bit more rigid, a little bit more kind of feel clumsy at times, but, but there it is. You guys do the work. Yeah. Um, so just, I'm going to give you, I'm going to try to give you the exact details. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to smooth it out because mm-hmm. I want to leave that in your hands, yeah. the interpreter's hands mm-hmm. to think through. Yeah. Uh, or, or do they say, no, I really want the receptor to really fully understand, to be able like first read, they can kind of grasp what's yeah. being said Yeah. and they feel the weight of it and the sense of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe I could give an, an example of this. At yeah. least we have something we know what we're talking about here. So uh, Mark 2, uh, verse 16. Mark chapter 2, verse 16. So um, again, all I'm going to use the King James Version, the ESV, the NIV, the NLT. Um, and really just pay attention to this last part of the verse. And that's the part we can talk about. Um even though there's other parts we could we could point out. So King James Version reads Mark chapter 2, verse 16. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? So again, that last question asks, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? That's the King James Version. Really trying to say true to word for word, which uh, in the Greek would be, um, let's see, to learn of him. Uh, so with the tax men and sinners, he eats. Okay. Okay. Uh, ESV says, and the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, 
said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Pretty close to the King James Version. Um, the only r- real difference there would be King James Version is using publicans. ESV is using tax collectors. I don't know why that is. Perhaps um, publicans, when King James was translated, was more... tax collector. Yeah. yeah. I, probably, I, maybe I just as an old school word. I'm not sure. Yeah, it could yeah. be. But nonetheless, you see the ESV probably said, you know what, publicans... Like people aren't going to know what that is or yeah. something. So we're but not going to use the same word. You can tell King James and ESV have the same. Yes, same philosophy. One is the difference is that one is older than the other, probably. Correct, yes. But they're they're basically saying the same yes. in terms of like the philosophy of how they're going about That's it. That's right. Because the yep. King James and the ESV are generally speaking close to each other in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Then the NIV, which is um, going to be a little bit more in the um, functional category of the dynamic equivalents. They have uh, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, saw him eating with, now they have sinners in quotation marks, sinners hmm. and tax collectors. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors? And again, quotation marks, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like they, they use those quotes. So um, what they're exactly communicating with those quotes, I don't know. But as the English reader, once you read that, you yeah. see, oh, that, that, that has a, a little Interesting piece to it. And my NAV Almost actually like doesn't have the quotation. Interesting. So it's actually pretty close to the ESV. Okay. So there, even the show, there's yeah. there's different versions of versions. Yes, yeah, that's good. In terms of years. Now okay. listen to the NLT, which would be even farther maybe down on the spectrum of the functional. The uh, dynamic, and, yeah. thought for thought. So they have, uh, but when the teachers of the religious of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Yeah. And you notice how they totally changed that. It is scum rather than tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. Because they're giving you, rather than like tax collectors to us, we might be like, well, what's in our context? What's okay. So they work for the IRS or whatever. Mm -hmm. But to them, there was maybe a specific cultural connotation of like, you're complicit with the Roman empire that is persecuting us. Mm -hmm. And so they're making the the sense a little bit more clear by just saying scum. Yeah. And they're not saying like they're sinners in the sense like we are all sinners, mm-hmm. but they are, they are the bad sinners. Yeah, they're, we they're are the good, class we're the sinners. good sinners. Yeah. Yes, we sin. Yeah. Granted, we're all sinners, um, but we're the good sinners. They're making but, it clear that sinners in that sense is, is to be interpreted, at least as they're saying, as like, that was a class of people, the sinners. Yes. That's like a group of people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're the scum. So, so now that you see that, you, you realize like they're up with a, a question, the translator, because... If, if they don't translate such scum as the English reader, most English readers are not going to pick that up. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, the, that the religious readers, uh, leaders at that point really view them like that. Mm-hmm. If, if you do translate it as such scum, you've moved away from being closer to the original actual words. Mm-hmm. You are getting the meaning, mm-hmm. but you're missing the words. Mm-hmm. Now, in that, you're making some sort of a translation as, or uh, interpretation as well. Yep. So the farther you go down on the towards the dynamic and functional to get the mm-hmm. thought by thought for thought, you also have to include interpretation yes. in the process. Because yeah. in order to give the sense, you actually you obviously have to have an opinion of what the sense is. Yes. Yep. And so that's where those translations are a bit more interpretive at times. Yes. And if you go far far down that side, you start to get into paraphrases even. Yes. So. Um, yeah, so that's a good example of that. And you can obviously see there's value in those things, um, mm-hmm. which we can, absolutely. We can get absolutely. into that. Yep. Should we, did you have more that you want to say more? No, I just stuff? thought we should, we can give an example while we talk about that. And then I think you want to get into 
kind of laying out yeah. the spectrum a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's talk about, right. so some of the popular translations will kind of try to tell you a little bit of what we know of them and kind of where they fall on the spectrum. Yeah. So first you have the, let's start on the, the. so I have, I have my, everyone kind of does the spectrum a little differently, yeah. but I have the least spectrum that I kind of think of yeah. and what other people have used. And on, on the, you, you kind of have the King James, which is very formal. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that would make the King James be different is not just that it has a formal difference. Uh, or a, a different philosophy in terms of formal holding to formal equivalence. There's other things we'll get into as well. But one of the other added things is it's also old. So yes. age yeah. can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like using words um, that we just don't use yeah. today anymore mm-hmm. or using words like um, in Philippians 127, most translations would say, let your life be worthy mm-hmm. of the gospel. And in the King James, I'm forgetting what it says, but I know what, here, let me pull it up. It says something that is, that to us, oh yeah, let your conversation be as it mm. becometh mm. the gospel. Well, conversation and life living are two different things, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in that time period, conversation would have implied, like it, for us, we hear communication, like talking, sure, but that's yeah, not what yeah, it meant yeah. back then. Yeah. So sometimes you get differences with like the King James because it's older mm-hmm. and the language is just, um, in, in many ways, it's, it's not that the translation when originally written was inaccurate. But because the receptor language, yeah. the English language into which it was translated, mm-hmm. has actually moved. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we don't speak that way anymore. It makes the King James inaccurate when the translation itself isn't inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But now the effect of it is that it creates inaccuracies True. because the, the English language itself yeah. has sort of slipped away yeah. um, and, and developed since yeah. then. But also, and then also the initial philosophy was it more of a formal? It was more formal. Yeah, I got a little well. bit down a rabbit yeah. trail but, there. But the point taken, I think that that's, yeah. So that's King true. James is more on the formal end of things. So typically, I mean, when I see these uh, continuums, just if you're trying to picture this uh, listening, it's typically on the left hand side. People will put formal, formal and then equivalent, all yeah. the way down to the right being the functional. Yeah, I and mean, you can do it different ways. But just so you understand, like what the what we're trying to do here, we're trying to plot out each. Translation on the plot. On the scale on the of kind scale of where it slides. <clears throat> so on the far left. Plot, on the plot. We're, yeah. That's, that's me. Okay. You. On the far, <clears throat> I say goofy things, so I wasn't sure if it was me. But on the far left, on the formal side, you have like the King James. Yes. What would be another? And I put basically in the same point on that line, um, the NASB, yeah, personally, New yeah. American Standard Bible. Yeah. Um, that, it's weird because for me, like in my kind of real formative years of kind of initial heavy study of yeah. the text that's what i use so it, yeah. it doesn't really feel wooden to me or yeah. boxy or because you're used say? to it and I'm sometimes when it, you're yeah. used to a translation yeah. it doesn't feel as rigid yeah yeah but uh but i i definitely know it, it, it is so is it you put it like almost mm-hmm. at the same place with yeah. yeah the american standard version which is not as popular i would put there as well that's a great translation that is um, more fo- like it's very formal, probably yeah. even more formal than the NASB. So the NASB, mm-hmm. the NASB, mm-hmm. New American Standard Bible, um, is like the child of the ASV. So mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. a lot of times there's a translation, and then there's another translation that comes like 50 years later, or whatever. Sure, that's yeah. based off of the work of a previous yeah. translation. The NASB actually is based off the ASV, and the ASV is a really good if you want something that's very like formal. Mm-hmm. The ASV is a very good one yeah. to go to, and just to make sure we're. It's clear when you say it's based off of this, it's not like they just grabbed the ASV yeah. and then updated language. They're still going back to the original. Right. 
but they're standing a little bit on the shoulders of yeah they're using that as sort of like um is sort of a starting place at least for some of their translate like helping with their translation work yeah yeah so anyways asv and nasb are sort of related like that um and then I would put, in terms of some of the major ones, I would put probably the ESV next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I have too. Um, and the art English the, standard, the version. English standard version. That's what our church uses for preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, the the RSV, if you're familiar with that, the Revised Standard Version, yeah. the ESV is sort of has a relationship to the RSV yeah. like the NASB does to the ASV. Right. So the ESV um, is sort of on the shoulders of the RSV. Yeah. So those both are kind of a little bit more formal. Did Crossway Books bought the rights of the RSV or something like that and then translate? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. I just know that those are related. Um, So the But the ESV is going to be, which is pretty popular nowadays, that's going to be on the more formal Mm -hmm. side. It's going to be a little bit more smooth than the NASB, Mm -hmm. though. So it's slightly more to the functional side, but not a whole lot. The NASB Mm -hmm. and the ESV are very similar, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But the ESV is probably going to be more readable. Mm-hmm. Um, and ha- yeah, in terms of like so. literary quality, the ESV has high literary quality, quality in terms of just like reading it. Yeah. Um, public speaking, yeah, it can that. still sound a little bit more clunky, but in terms mm-hmm. of like just like private reading, mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. good quality. You have the NRSV, the new revised standard version, which mm-hmm. also comes off of the RSV. That one has a little bit more of like a liberal, um, tendency, okay. like theologically liberal tendencies mm. to it. So yeah, more yeah. main, more mainline denominations and I've liberal, liberal Protestant denominations use that one more. Mm. Um, and then what would be some other ones you would put? Um, so on mine, I have Holman Christian Standard, which I think has been updated. As it's well. been yeah, that's been replaced by the Christian Standard. Yeah, Bible. I have that. So Holman Christian Standard became the Christian Standard. Christian Standard yeah. Bible. Yeah, um, I have that right near the middle, but I still have it a little bit leaning in the formal. Okay. They have a really good introduction, by the way. The, the one one way to figure out some of the translations yeah, yeah. themselves is typically they have a good tra- uh, introduction in the front of the Bible or the, of the translation that will they'll kind of tell you what they're trying to do or tell you some of their translation philosophies. Yeah, the uh, I have I have the the Christian Standard or the CSB um, in the middle as well. Okay. I I think. That one, and that's a solid translation yeah. as well. Like that yeah. is, it's it's it's, really it's like much more smoothed out, maybe much more strong. It's more smoothed out than even the ESV. Yes. Um, yeah. It gets a little bit more dynamic than the mm-hmm. ESV to do that, yep. but it reads really well. And it's, yeah, it's a really solid, it's a yeah. newer translation. The CSB, the Holman was before it. Yes. Yeah. But the CSB is pretty new and it's okay. really solid. Um, yeah. That's all I have on the, I mean, I, I think you have more on your continuum than I do. Well, I, That's all this, I have on the on the yeah. formal side. This is this is just copied from Gordon and Fee, but I kind of mm. have my own. I use, um, but yeah, I would say maybe I would throw one more in there. Which is the NET. This is one that's maybe oh, yeah. not as well known. Which you can get free online. Online, yeah. it's the New English Translation, I think, and I think it's put out by like, yeah New, Eng- New English Translation, I believe. The NET though. Mm-hmm. This one is this one is. Um, Occasionally they'll they'll say things twice, like if they feel like they need to convey. Mm-hmm. They have an interesting translation philosophy because occasionally they'll repeat a line, like in order to get the sense. If mm-hmm. there's like two senses mm-hmm. that they want to convey, mm-hmm. so occasionally it will be a longer translation. Yeah, but they this the the value of this translation is they they put in a ton of mm-hmm. notes. Yeah, there really is. This this translation is known for putting in notes. So sometimes if you have your Bible. In the footnotes, it'll give you like things like it could be translated, it could be translated this way, or translators mm-hmm. debate if this is translated this way yeah. or whatever. It gives you notes on like the translation. Most good translations yeah. will give you some of the basic 
um, bare minimum stuff. Yeah. This one though is loaded. They give you really translation is, yeah. notes on like every line. Yeah. Really yeah, good if, stuff. I don't though. know if you've ever seen a hard copy of it. You get like you get like one, one verse on every page. <laughs> the only one I saw. Yeah. Was, that was a doozy. Yeah. But it is a it is a great resource. Yeah. Um, you no, literally get like a verse on every page because yeah. there's so many notes. I can't. I they update that quite regularly. Is that correct? I think it's a live update. Yeah. Yeah. So they're constantly updating. Because you can um, the the way I understand it, I've never tried, but I thought you could actually write in. Like if you see something that you feel like should be translated a different way, you can write in an argument for that. Interesting. They'll consider that. I don't know if that's true or not. No. Yeah. No, I'm second guessing myself that it's Maybe. out there. It in sounds good. Sphere. But that one's more of an electronic use, I think. Yeah. Because it's maybe not as functional in print. Can you? So I know you can go online and read it. I think it's can, on. I think it's your Bible dot or something maybe? too, or no? I'm not sure. Okay. I use it on Logos, but for those who don't have Logos, there's probably other ways. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Nonetheless, it, I would agree with that. That that is. Yeah, there are points in that one where they take some newer translations that are a little bit can be problematic. I think, but um, we'll leave that aside for now. Um, okay, so what other what would be sort of next that you have? Yeah, so in terms of the f- now moving into the functional side, the more dynamic, the dynamic thought, thought for thought, thought. jinx. Ooh, this is gonna be nice, huh? Buy me a coke. <laughs> I was going to say coffee, but... Okay. All right. Uh, so I move next to... Oh, you know what? I have the NET in the functional side. I guess I did have this on here. Oh, interesting. Uh, right near the middle, but on the okay. on that yeah, side. Yeah, I could see that. The NET is a little bit more functional, yeah. but somewhere in the middle, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. I'd put the CSB a little bit... Um, I'd put CSB and, and the NET kind of in the same middle okay. camp. Yeah. Nonetheless, they're right near the middle there. Okay. I have the Then I have the NIV. Me as well. Right there. A new international version. One of the most which, popular, yep. if not the most so, popular. the revisions for that was, teams. the first was in 84, I think. I think. Is that right? One of them was in 84. I'm not sure what okay. the first one was. And then there's been several revisions for that. Yeah. And that one is definitely more on the functional side. Yeah, definitely. Um, solid, A solid functional translation, mm-hmm. though. So it's going to mm-hmm. give you more thought for thought. Yep. Uh, and then farther down the line, um, I have the New Living Translation. Yep. That's what I have. Translation, the NLT. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, I like that translation. I do too. A lot. I like it a lot. So, yeah. There's that because it's, it's very much, it takes a good, it takes a bit more of a leap from the NIV, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of like, it's much more down the functional side. It's mm-hmm. one, of, it's one of the more drastic functional ones. Yeah. It um, is. but I, I think, listen, if you, some people will bash it because it's more mm-hmm. functional and some people, and dynamic and some people have that impression that the only good translations are the more formal yeah. ones and i would say yeah. the formal ones are great mm-hmm. and you gotta you want to if you're going to do really detailed like mm-hmm. interpretive work you gotta make sure you have a formal one because mm-hmm. they're going to convey those details to mm-hmm. you but something like the nlt if you're not yeah. trying to if you're trying to do some reading that's not necessarily focused on the details but yeah. more on the sense the NLT is great. Yeah, it, it and really, I use it for in for sermon prep where in some ways the NLT can function as like a commentary mm-hmm. because it gives senses to yeah, the passage where you're like, wow, that, that conveyed it in a really helpful way. No, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. And hopefully if you are listening and you don't, you know, you, you do kind of more like push against like the NLT, hopefully you'll tune in long enough to hear that there can be some really good qualities to it. Yeah. That it can be really beneficial. Like even the, the verse we looked at, the Mark 2.16, how they call out such scum. Like yeah. that definitely hits you differently. That definitely yeah. calls out like exactly what they're trying to get at that, uh, you know, perhaps you wouldn't have caught otherwise. Yeah. And but, I might not, I might not go to that to use as like a main sermon. Yeah. T- main sermon, uh, yeah. Bible, preaching Bible, maybe mm-hmm. in some contexts with mm-hmm. like children or something, but like, 
because I want to be able to point people to the details of the text yep. that maybe yep. the NLT is smoothing over. But again, mm-hmm. it's it has its it has different value to it. That now there will be times when I'm preparing a sermon and I'm looking at the NLT um, to see what it how it translates something, and because it's going more into the sense for sense, a thought mm-hmm. by thought. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a little bit more interpretation when you do that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just don't agree with the interpretation. Yeah, I, and on that yeah, account, totally agree. I'm just going to say, I don't think they got it there. Yeah. There's, that's some of the danger mm-hmm. with the thought by thought is at times because they have to include interpretation. Yeah. What if they don't interpret it right? Yeah. So, yeah. And we'll, we'll show some examples of where doing the interpretive work actually is very helpful and where probably most translators would actually agree on the interpretation. And then all, there's also times where you're like, well, no, these are two legitimate options or three legitimate options mm-hmm. that if you would just keep it vague, then you would force the reader to, to make the op- or choose the option. But by, 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 by choosing putting, yeah. one, it doesn't even allow the reader in the receptor language to know that there's another option. Yeah. Because you've made that interpretive. Which, to get ahead choice. of ourselves a little bit, is why it's good to use more than one translation. Yes. yeah. Because every translation has to do that at some points, even the more formal ones. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to have other translations to see occasionally if it's like, well, that translates it differently. So yeah. now I have some interpretive <clears throat> options here. Yeah. yeah. Now there's at least uh, one other major one out there that uh, it's a little bit of an outlier Yeah. Uh, called the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, so depending on your continuum, uh, some people wouldn't even put the message on the continuum. Either... Uh, so it's... Uh, the message is very a great paraphrase, right? Yeah, it's very loose. It's very, very, yeah. very functional, yes. very dynamic. Um, so some people don't even like to see it on the continuum because they feel like it's too far off the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it ends up on both of our continuums. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything to say about it? I, I, like, I mean, I think it gets a bad rap. Typically from folks who are a little bit more strict that things have to be the formal. Yeah. And I, I, I'm more inclined to the formal myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm yeah, definitely in that camp. Like yeah. that's my, that's what I appreciate typically. That's what I use m- almost always mm-hmm. um, while consulting the more functional. But I don't, I don't have anything against the message. Um, I think you just have to know what it's for. It's yeah. a more of a yeah. paraphrase. Mm-hmm. It's definitely going to put things because what it does is it doesn't really try to it, it doesn't try to keep the details of right. the original. It's actually trying to do the very opposite. Yeah. It's trying to put the details of the take the details that were in the original and the vocab and the sense of the original and put it into contemporary yeah. um, expression. So mm-hmm. he might even use like phrases like "skin a cat." Mm. That, there's nothing in the original text that says anything about a cat or skinning it, <laughs> yeah. but he'll use phrases like that yeah. that are in our contemporary language, like kind of slang, mm-hmm. because he really wants to. Um, this is Eugene Peterson, the guy who's yep. mainly responsible for this translation, because he wants to um, help people, you mm-hmm. know, sense it afresh. Mm-hmm. Now, it, I don't know if I'd call it a translation because mm-hmm. it's not really trying to do translation, but it's right, more right. of a, it's a tool. Yeah, it's yep. something else, but it's not necessarily bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, how would you answer this question? Because I think both of us would say we think it's helpful for God's people to have a, a variety, mm-hmm. right? uh, to, to read multiple translations. But if somebody was only going to have one and read that translation, um, I'm guessing most of these you'd be like, oh, that wouldn't be my choice, but I'm okay with it. Like it, yeah. because it because yeah. they're staying faithful. Would you include the message on there then? Like that was the only one. Well, oh, if that have. was the only one they'd have, I probably would not. Yeah. I think that's where I'd be that. too. Yeah. As much as I think it can be helpful. Yeah. To read, and yeah. I've really benefited from it at mm-hmm. times, especially mm-hmm. when I'm dealing with a passage that I cannot figure out. I I go to it knowing he's going to take 
an interpretation. Interpret- he was yeah. going to give me something, but it's still helpful. Yeah. I so, wouldn't go to it as your main one. Yeah. I think anything that we said before, like from um, the more formal to even like the NLT on the more yeah. functional, depending on who you are, like yeah. I prefer the more formal, like mm-hmm. for more detailed interpretation. Mm-hmm. Well, like let's say you have a lower reading level, like the NLT might be a good option for mm-hmm. you. It probably depends mm-hmm. on who you are. One other translation I would throw I, out. I saw you looking at me. Because you're fine. right in front of I, me. I realize oh, I'm lower <laughs> than you. <laughs> I didn't say that. The one other translation I would throw out is like one that I got for my, my daughter um, is like two. So she's not at the point of reading or anything like that. But in anticipation of when she'll start reading, I bought mm-hmm. her uh, the NIRV, the yeah. New International Reader's Version, yeah. which is written at like a third grade reading level. And so that's another one that's like really simplified down. So that would be a good one for like kids who are learning mm-hmm. how to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically uses a translation philosophy of the NIV, but it it's it just tries to make things super simple, short sentences, um, break down any sort of big words into phrases. Yeah. It's, it's good. You know, yeah. So go ahead. Oh, I was just trying to think our, our girls that we got, the Bibles that we got. Because you have elementary sure. age kids. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just the regular. I remember like looking through the the translations. I'm yeah. pretty sure they just got we just got them the NIV and didn't go with that. I don't I don't remember why. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. The NLT is a good option, I think, for children or people who maybe. No, did I say NLT? I said NIV. You said NIV, but yeah. I'm saying okay, NLT yeah. might be a good option for children or folks who struggle with <laughs> reading comprehension or people like English as a second language. Like I know we both worked at the, the rescue mission in Milwaukee. I know a lot of the guys at the Milwaukee rescue mission they found the NLT to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it can be really helpful just for like if you've been around the church for a while. Yeah, yeah. Even so, if you, know, you have a it high just reading says level. things where you're like, whoa. Yeah, like I, didn't, I never even thought of that because sometimes I think we just read, and we just we're just kind of reading it again, you know, versus yeah. like really thinking about some of these little nuances that just get missed, and they're gonna they're gonna try to call it out. So yeah, all right, cool. So let's uh, we'll, we'll stop there for today. Um, next time we'll continue talking about some of these differences, getting into some of the textual reasons, as well as maybe unpacking some examples of the methodology differences. And we'll continue Mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. Bye.